0: Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. So glad to continue the Summer Readings series. And this week, in these next few episodes, as you're listening in real time, will be from a. W. Tozer's book, *The Pursuit of God*. Take time with these. When when you hear not only in the introduction and the preface, when you hear a little bit about his life, you know in my, uh, producer's way school USA that's going on uh, right now. Uh, their July assignment is to take hold of a biography of someone, whether it be Watchman Knee, A.W. Tozer, Elizabeth Elliot, if it's, um, you know, whoever it might be, but someone. I, I know one of the students is reading about Hudson Taylor, reading people who went before us and reading about their life. And it's just so encouraging because you realize this is not some new fad, right? This isn't uh, something so radical, right? This, is, this has been the norm of the lives of those that many times we stand in awe of them, but we never go any deeper to see what what is it that actually happened in their life? And so in sharing... Uh, I believe it's chapters one and two over the course of these next episodes from Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God, you get a a deeper dive into um, what their life was like and what did God speak to them. And then they left those things for us to be able to read so that we can navigate with Holy Spirit through the days of our lives that we are in right now. So let these next episodes be of great encouragement to you as I read from A.W. Tozer's The Pursuit of God. Love you all. Thanks for being with me today, and we are now into Chapter 1 of The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer, and here we go. Following hard after God, Psalm 63, 8, My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. Christian theology teaches the doctrine of prevenient grace, which, briefly stated, means that before a man can seek God, God must first have sought the man. Before a sinful man can think a right thought of God, there must have been a work of enlightenment done within him. Imperfect it may be, but a true work nonetheless, and the secret cause of all desiring and seeking and praying which may follow. We pursue God because, and only because, He has first put an urge within us that spurs us to the pursuit. No man can come to me, said our Lord, except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And it is by this prevenient drawing that God takes from us every vestige of credit for the act of coming." The impulse to pursue God originates with God, but the outworking of that impulse is our following hard after Him. All the time we are pursuing Him, we are already in His hand. Thy right hand upholdeth me. In this divine upholding and human following, there is no contradiction. All is of God, for as von Hugel teaches, God is always previous. In practice, however, that is where God's previous working meets man's present response, man must pursue God. On our part, there must be positive reciprocation if this secret drawing of God is to eventuate in identifiable experience of the divine. In the warm language of personal feeling, this is stated in Psalm 42, 1 and 2, quote, As the heart Panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? This is deep calling unto deep, and the longing heart will understand it. The doctrine of justification by faith, a biblical truth, and a blessed relief from sterile legalism and unavailing self-effort, has in our time fallen into evil company and been interpreted by many in such a manner as actually to bar men from the knowledge of God. The whole transaction of religious conversion has been made mechanical and spiritless. Faith may now be exercised without a jar to the moral life and without embarrassment to the Adamic ego— Christ may be received without creating any special love for him in the soul of the receiver. The man is saved, but he is not hungry nor thirsty after God. In fact, he is specifically taught to be satisfied and is encouraged to be content with little. The modern scientist has lost God amid the wonders of his world. We Christians are in real danger of losing God amid the wonders of his word. We have almost forgotten that God is a person and as such can be cultivated as any person can. It is inherent in personality to be able to know other personalities, but full knowledge of one personality by another cannot be achieved in one encounter. It is only after long and loving mental intercourse that the full possibilities of both can be explored. All social intercourse between human beings is a response of personality to personality, grading upward from the most casual brush between man and man to the fullest, most intimate communion of which the human soul is capable. Religion, so far as it is genuine, is in essence the response of created personalities to the creating personality, God. John 17, 3, quote, This is life eternal, that they may know Thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent." God is a person, and in the deep of His mighty nature, He thinks, wills, enjoys, feels, loves, desires, and suffers, as any other person may. In making Himself known to us, He stays by the familiar pattern of personality. He communicates with us through the avenues of our minds, our wills, and our emotions. The continuous and unembarrassed interchange of love and thought between God and the soul of the redeemed man is the throbbing heart of New Testament religion. This intercourse between God and the soul is known to us in conscious personal awareness. It is personal. It does not come through the body of believers as such, but is known to the individual and to the body through the individuals which compose it. It is conscious. It does not stay below the threshold of consciousness and work there unknown to the soul, as, for instance, infant baptism is thought by some to do, but comes within the field of awareness where the man can know it as he knows any other fact of experience. You and I are in little, our sins accepted, what God is in large. Being made in His image, we have within us the capacity to know Him. In our sins, we lack only the power The moment the Spirit has quickened us to life in regeneration, our whole being senses its kinship to God and leaps up in joyous recognition. That is the heavenly birth without which we cannot see the kingdom of God. It is, however, not an end but an inception, for now begins the glorious pursuit, the heart's happy exploration of the infinite riches of the Godhead. That is where we begin, I say, but where we stop no man has yet discovered. For there is in the awful and mysterious depths of the triune God neither limit nor end. Shoreless ocean, who can sound thee? Thine own eternity is round thee, majesty divine. To have found God and still to pursue Him is the soul's paradox of love, scorned indeed by the too easily satisfied religionist, but justified in happy experience by the children of the burning heart. St. Bernard stated this holy paradox in a musical quatrain that will instantly be understood by every worshiping soul. Quote, we taste thee, O thou living bread, and long to feast upon thee still. We drink of thee, the fountainhead, and thirst our souls from thee to fill. Come near to the holy men and women of the past, and you will soon feel the heat of their desire after God. They mourned for him, they prayed and wrestled and sought for him day and night, in season and out, and when they had found him, the finding was all the sweeter for the long-seeking. Moses used the fact that he knew God as an argument for knowing him better. Quote, now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight. Close quote. And from there he rose to make the daring request quote, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Close quote. God was frankly pleased by this display of ardor, and the next day called Moses into the mount, and there in solemn procession, made all his glory pass before him. I will close here, and we will pick up in our next episode. Love you all. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymcready.com or follow her on social media at nbmcrady.